Hello, everybody, and welcome to Last First Day, the podcast where I, Billy Gleason, lead people from all over the entertainment industry back through one more perfect day of school. Why? Well, their schools happen to have reached out to me and told me they were technically one day short of graduating. I know, rubbish. However, due to my magical powers, in the space of 45 minutes to an hour each week, I will be able to lead these people back through one more perfect day of school. Perfect classes, perfect teachers, perfect lunches, perfect everything, and then they can go home happy and graduated and everything is gravy. This episode we're about to share with you is actually a very special episode because it is the test episode of the podcast that we shot a few weeks ago. So me and a friend of mine from the entertainment industry, Mr. Stephen DeNano, who is wonderful, you're going to get to know him and you're going to love him as much as I do, we shot this episode and it turned out so good that I just had to release it to the world for you all to hear. So consider this a soft opening of the Last First Day Academy. We're very happy that you're here and we hope you enjoy this, the test episode of Last First Day. Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of Last First Day. I'm very excited for our first guest to join us today. He is the producer and play-by-play announcer for Catalyst Wrestling as well as working over at The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. A wonderful person and a very good friend of mine. Stephen Donano, how are you sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. It's very good to see you too, my friend. I've, I mean, I've only seen you a couple of weeks ago. I know I came to one of your wonderful wrestling events. How have you been since then? Good. Just really recovering from the taxing nature of uh, calling live professional wrestling, still picking the wood chips out of my, uh, out of my neck, you name it, thumb tax. <laughs> so for the people that are sat at home listening to this, just describe a little bit for us, like what that event, what the event I was at at the Bell House, what was that experience like? How would you describe it to someone who was not there? Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a circus. It's a variety show with a lot of things happening at once. You know, obviously professional wrestling is a huge love of mine and and yours. Um, it's just the biggest sort of amalgamation of different things. We had, you know, matches between a guy bringing out a stuffed goat and, you know, (laughs) a a lady who's Japanese influence, you know, she's an absolute killer. And then you have in the middle of it, you know, a rap battle. And then, you know, a DJ, we had Immortal Technique there, yeah. uh, a whole bunch of different things happening at once, but it's it's a good time. Rock the Bell House was a lot of fun. And you've been doing this for how long now? Six years almost. Our six-year anniversary is March 5th. Uh, we're returning to the Bell House. So six years, we've done over 300 episodes, and I've been on every single one. Wow, wow. And that's as the play-by-play announcer. And for, for the layman out there who might not watch wrestling or be the biggest sports fan, you know, so what what's the play-by-play doing as opposed to uh, the other commentators there? So similarly to, to, to regular sports, we're calling the action, but when a play-by-play announcer does it in wrestling, it's basically translating the physicality, what they're trying to express via the story, via their body, we have to put into words. So moving the story along, this is the reason why uh, they're working a leg, why they're going after a leg. It's because they want to soften them up for a maneuver or they came into the match injured and they want to use that as like a, um, a point of, Oh, well this baby face or good guy 
might not be able to overcome because he came in with a wonky wheel. So the heel or bad guy is going to go after that wheel. So it's our job to kind of translate that physical input into words for the folks at home. So I think there's a bit of a conception when it comes to sports and announcing and a lot of these people, whether it is the NFL, baseball, whatever, those announcers or commentators may have played or at least been interested in playing once upon a time. Have you ever wrestled yourself or have you ever attempted to at the very least? Now, those old WWEF commercials that say, do not try this at home. I now understand being in the business now. Well, I'm being as a older, kid, I'm being older as well. Oh, yeah. it. it means oh. it when, when we're in our 30s, it means it. But as a kid, you know, I was flying off everything I could, jumping off ladders, whatever, like little matches that we put together and stuff like that. Um, it's really the color commentator or whoever my partner is, uh, who right now it's uh, Brandon Liu and Chris Faga, they're the people in that slot traditionally that would be the former athlete or somebody who is uh who's trained and, and done it uh, stereotypically or or historically jesse ventura or roddy piper bobby heenan mm. people who have already been in the ring more recently Stu bennett or, or wade barrett people mm. who have been in the ring who have that sort of experience that can be able to tell the reasoning behind why psychologically that athlete is doing what they're doing as well so, for instance, right now, if we're to specifically talk about a WWE and, you know, the Michael Cole and Corey Graves, whatever comparison you want to have. I know I I grew up, as you did, with the Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler uh, of the two. You've, of course, got one who is a known wrestler, a known entity, and the other who isn't known for that. Do you think it's important to have one be the experienced person and one person sort of not be so you're not treading on each other's toes? Sure, I definitely think so because their experiences in different ways. Like most play-by-play -play folks are sports broadcasters. They are by trade broadcasters. Uh, Michael Cole was a war correspondent and reporter before that. So mm -hmm. being able to have that experience, whether it be production or just being able to steer the ship because the wrestler uh is just going to try and get their stuff in you know they know the wrestling portion of it whereas most play-by-play -play folks are the tv person or the person who knows i need to get from point a to point b and drive the ship so the play-by-play -play person is is more of the quarterback whereas you know the the color commentator is more of the the star running back you have to hand them the ball so they can do what they need to do but the ball and the plays are called by you and I know a lot of people out there, whether they like wrestling or not, people are always going to be saying, well, you know, it's so it's so scripted and you're saying from getting things from A to B and trying to tell that story. But how many times are you genuinely surprised by what's going on? Have no, either things have steered off of script or just you haven't been informed of what's about to happen. So your reaction's more genuine. How often does that happen? It happens more often than you think for me because I have a hard and fast rule that I kind of inherited from uh, Jim Ross. I don't want to know what the finish is. I don't want to know okay. how it's going to end. I don't want to know what the potential angle after the match is so I can have the most genuine reaction to it as possible. Sure, that leads into a certain level of trust that the promoter has to have in you to 
maximize that moment when it comes. Um, but yeah, there's been times where in the past, this is a long time ago, but wrestlers would go off script and do things that even the promoter doesn't know about. We had somebody who handcuffed one of our uh, baby faces and, you know, did the whole rock mankind Royal Rumble chair shot thing. Right, right. I had no no idea about it. The promoter had no idea about it. The two wrestlers did, obviously. Um, but it was something that my reaction to it made it okay (laughs) because it was so like oh my like over the top because I was lost in the emotion of it and I think not knowing that sort of thing allows me to be a little bit more uh lost in the emotion so a story I remember from growing up if you will indulge me uh having uh, as as a wrestling watcher myself I've always known this to be one of the most famous moments in wrestling history that I was always told most people did not know this was going to happen and just the wrestlers did. And I'm wondering if that's an old wives tale or if it's true, but the King of the ring, I believe it was when the undertaker threw mankind off of the cell and he went through the table. And it's, it's a clip that I think even if you have not actively watched professional wrestling before, you've probably seen that fall at some point in your life, just that little (laughs) clip. To your knowledge, and maybe those two are going to the grave with this information, to your knowledge, was that one of those things where just the wrestlers decided to do it and did not tell the world, or did they just sell it that well? Uh, They sold it that well, for sure. I think that there are, you know, obviously with something that big or something that iconic, your your instinct is to keep the the circle of people who know very small Mm. vince obviously knew i believe and and they've kind of hinted towards that in interviews uh probably pat patterson like the the whoever the agent is on that match but as far as like the rest of the boys and, and and girls the the ring crew the medics the announcers and the fans at large had no clue i the only reason i ever thought people truly didn't know and maybe it was again as you say some people did but a lot of people didn't is i just remember i believe it was the spanish language announced teams table that they went through and i just remember them moving so late those guys that i just had to think there is no way they knew because oh, no. <laughs> if you you would not be a anywhere near that if you knew that that was coming down um at any moment and that just felt like the only two people that they probably walked away from that thinking yeah we probably should have told those guys actually just like to have been in the loop on that one yeah have you ever had those experiences where of course not someone flying through uh, your table unannounced but have you ever had those experiences where as much as you want to keep it genuine you're a little bit frustrated like it would have been good to know that Sure. There's, there's a few instances of that when uh, match orders change, because while we are, you know, performing live in front of folks, we're also taping our television at the same time. So knowing certain things for transitional purposes, like throws to break and, and where certain things go, knowing what those changes are as they happen, you know, people stuck in traffic, performers uh, need to switch matches because ABC, Knowing that is is really helpful because, as you know, any 
change in the link of production after you've already had your production meeting, your rundown, everything set can really throw off the timing of everybody because it's not just one thing. It's it's one by one by one. The chain kind of loosens. And ironically, to your point, somebody did fly over my announce table to dive from because we were Japanese style up against the the ring with the announce table, oh, uh, which that's... is very old school <clears throat> WWF and current Japanese style. And gentleman jumped over. We didn't know. And he he didn't really clear it. So he just barely grazed my head and launched my headset off of me. Oh, wow. Which, you know, I'm in the middle of calling this spot. My headset goes flying. You know, we've had stuff like that. You know, wrestlers coming over to the table to interact, um, you know, bash somebody's head on the announce table or something like that. Uh, and it kind of shakes things up. <laughs> so not knowing about those sorts of things can be a little anxiety inducing, but fun. As someone who was a fan of it, growing up do you ever kind of get that feeling with wrestling now of you know too much so your viewership has kind of changed from what it was when you were a kid are you watching it through a different lens basically early on it was a lot more difficult to separate the two because not only being you know a wrestling fan but also being you know in television production and so i'm viewing it from the angle perspective and i'm also viewing it from the lens of how it's being presented on television so being cr critical of those things while i'm watching it was kind of ruining the thing for me so i had to kind of like take a step back and really just f actively focus on I love and appreciate this art form. Let me respect it by consuming even more, seeing different things that I've never seen before. So I get excited about it. Like Lucha Underground was big for me because of the way that they presented it in a more cinematic light when they were doing the cinematic matches in WWE uh, during the, the pandemic period. That was also something that was very exciting to me. So finding new and, and, and things that I've never seen before or promotions that I've never watched before, that really kind of keeps that fan thing alive for me. That's, that's wonderful. So for anyone who is interested in not only attending a Catalyst wrestling event, which generally you operate in the, is it in the tri-state area or? In the tri-state area, but our home base now is, uh, it seems to be Brooklyn. We're, we're pounding the pavement hard there. So for anyone outside of Brooklyn, how can they watch? How can they consume? Uh, we have our own uh, OTT now. So streamcatalystwrestling.com. You can sign up today for a 14-day free trial. It has over 300 episodes of Catalyst Wrestling as well as the full unedited events. Wow. Is it, and is that same site where people can keep up to date with events and tickets, all that stuff? That, catalystwrestling.com or Catalyst Wrestle on Twitter. We're very active on Twitter. Well, fantastic. Look, I hate to get to this part of it, but I do have to get into the why you're here today. All right. It's it's the most awkward part because I'm just going to be honest with you. So I got a call and it was from uh, your high school and uh, I've forgotten the name. Um, what, what was your high school's name? Uh, which one? There were three. There was New Dorp, there was Lafayette, and there was Hackensack. Oh, uh, all of them. All three of them. At the same, same time. time same oh, time yeah. conference yeah. call. They yeah. they they ring me up and they're like, look, oh, no. Billy, we've we've never met. We're all on same time here. So you know it's serious. I'm like, oh, go on. What's this about? And they said, well, your mate Steven 
I said, you're going to have to narrow it down. There's a lot of Stevens <laughs> in the world. There you go, Stephen Denner. I'm like, oh, should have known. They said, look, it's our fault, but he technically didn't graduate. And I I'm knew like, it. I I'm, knew it. I'm like, he's gonna be, he's gonna be devastated. That's gonna be terrible. But they said, but you've got to break the news to him because there's three of us. We we don't know. Yeah, we we tried to draw straws, but there wasn't a short straw, so we messed it all up. So we said, look, we're gonna have a innocent third party do this for us, and we've chosen you. So you got to tell him he technically hasn't graduated. He was one day short, and so he's got to go back to school for one day so i apologize for doing this to you but i'm gonna have to lead you back through school for one day in order to graduate you all right with that i i don't have a choice you really don't have a choice i mean you could you could just say i'm not going to graduate but that defeats the point of the entire podcast so we're going to step back through it i really i I had to talk him down on this i was like look he's going to be livid but if you make this as easy as possible on him make it all his favorite things, all his favorite classes, all his favorite teachers, all that sort of stuff, then I'm sure he's in. And they agree. So you're right to do it that way? Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So here we go. Last first day with Stephen Donano. Just one of these and you're done. You're set. You're graduated from school again. So start by telling us, mate. So where did you go to school? I know you mentioned you went to three of them, but if you could quickly walk us through those three and how, how that all happened. Uh, I was born and raised in, in Brooklyn, New York, so I went to Lafayette High School first, uh, but I didn't really go, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I was a latchkey kid. I cut, I cut school to hang out at a better school that had a campus. Um, that didn't work out, and then we moved to Staten Island, uh, and I went to New Darp High School. Our good friend, uh, Cat O'Brien, yeah. her neck of the woods, Fern Club all the way. Um, went there, same sort of thing. I only went 22 days my sophomore year. And then my mom was just like, you can't keep doing this. So we moved out to Jersey and, uh, went to Hackensack high school. And then I had to take a bunch of summer school and like stuff to catch up. So how, how long were you at Hackensack? That was a couple of years. Totally it was my last, it was my last two years, last two years. Then you yeah. were at Hackensack. So so if someone's to ask you yeah, where you call home then, do you call it Brooklyn because that's where you started or is it more Jersey because that's where you finished? Uh, um, I would say Brooklyn is my spiritual home and, uh, and Jersey's just, you know, where I lay my head. So I would say Hackensack was good to me, though. If you were to pick the three and you have to walk yeah, back Hackensack. through the hallways of one, you're going back to Hackensack. Absolutely. <laughs> that's great. So we're going we're gonna to... Send you to Hackensack. We'll we'll go back there for the day. What was it, what was it about the other uh, two places? The first place you mentioned you just never attended. Was that more? Do you look back on it? Was that you or was it the place itself? You just you just couldn't stand the school. The first one, it was it was definitely the place. The yeah. first one, it was like you know I, I grew up in a in a pretty poor neighborhood, very, you know, aggressive style neighborhood. We had metal detectors, pat downs every day. There was a lot of violence uh, wow. in, in that school. Um, so I would cut school to go hang out at a better school that was safer uh, with, with people I knew. And the second one was just at that point, I had already been like, you know, ah, man, I don't, school's lame. You know, I, di I didn't know any better. And plus I'm a new kid in a new area trying to make friends so I kind of just fell in with the, you know, crowd that was just hanging out in a federal field, drinking beers by a tree when they should be in algebra. So these, these school, man, what an experience. That's so, it's so foreign to me being 
an Englishman just because the whole idea of metal detectors walking into a school, which I know isn't, it's not the most uncommon thing here in America. And yeah. if if that was to be seen in England, I, I feel like there would just be uproar. Is that just sort of accepted as normal? All the kids just sort of walking through like, yeah, this is just a regular part of the day, like walking into Madison Square Garden, but it's, it's just shitter. I wouldn't say you ever get used to it because there is an element of it that's a bit dehumanizing to, yeah. to a kid, I feel like. But at the same token, my one of the three days that I went out of the 11, I was robbed at knife point in oh the lunchroom. Oh, my God. So <laughs> there's reasons for it, but it doesn't mean it feels uh, very good. Wow. Wow. So let's say ideal world we're sending you back to hackensack metal detectors are gone everyone's fine no one's bringing knives everyone's leaving them in the kitchen drawer there's no weapons everybody's happy these are just different times that's going to be the perfect start to the day but to cycle back a little bit i want to know a little bit more about your morning routine so do you even remember your what what time did you wake up what did you have for breakfast What, what was your beat by beat before going to school so the first thing i would always do honestly, and I still try and keep this sort of thing, this routine to this day. And, you know, having been in the military kind of solidified that first thing I do, I wake up, eat immediately, really? eat immediately. So that's like scrambled eggs. I would always oatmeal, something like that, or a bagel. If you're a kid in New York, a bacon, egg and cheese uh, on a bagel. Can't beat or, it. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't eat pork or red meat so i would just have the egg and cheese fair enough uh as far as when i got up usually around seven because i i not would bad. try and sleep as much as i could yeah that's not bad i know people who've got up like five o'clock in the morning to go to school i'm yeah. like that is that yeah. is mad that's really mad so seven o'clock in the morning straight out of bed straight in the kitchen yep great and uh, so you're making yourself food, you're getting yourself ready. I, I assume, just because I'm talking to an American here, in the UK, I feel like most schools over there have uniforms. Were you just in street clothes? Was there any sort of uniform? Was there even any sort of dress code? Uh, the dress code was just don't be a jerk. Don't wear anything super offensive, with like the middle finger or like weird phrases or nudity and stuff like that. But other than that, I was, you know, wearing my... Pearl Jam t-shirt and and Janko jeans and like weird like the chain wallet and stuff like that. <laughs> it was a time. That yeah, was it a was. Time. Uh, you talked about your dress code, but then we're actually talking about the getting to school now. The the commute. Were you a school bus kid? Did you walk yourself? Were you one of the privileged kids that mum and dad dropped you off and everyone hated you for it? How did you get to school? Uh, sir, certainly no privilege when it came to that. I would either walk or take the bus. Um, I'm a big advocate of like walking, getting out and, and like, I, I love to walk. So walking to school and walking home from school was the usual, but if it was raining or I just didn't feel like it, I would just take the bus, which thankfully was on the corner and dropped me off. It was a public bus. So not a school bus. So I would pay my two fifty or whatever mm. and, you know, go to school that way. Wait, what, what age are we talking about? Were you disc man? Were you walk man? Oh, yeah. Which one? Um, so disc man by that time, and I used to carry a messenger bag. Yeah. And instead of having like books in there, I would have a ton of CDs. I remember these days. Yeah. I remember these days. The kids of today are just never going to understand it. 
I wasn't smart enough to think, oh, I should get one of those books that have a bunch. I had the actual jewel cases. <laughs> you drew, that must have been so heavy. Annoying too, yeah. I mean, I, I still kind of can't believe, you know, listening to a, a Spotify, Apple Music, uh, wh- whoever it is that wants to pay me for sponsorship right now, they are those those companies that literally every single song in the world seems like it's at your fingertips. But... Back in the day, you know, me growing up in the the late 90s, early 2000s, that's part of your morning routine is picking, okay, who am I, who am I going to take with me? Am I going to take, is this, is it Guns N' Roses day? Is it, is it a Nirvana day? Is it a Pearl Jam day? But that was a huge part of your morning was deciding, okay, who am I dedicating my time to? Because if it is 45 minutes to get to school, that's an album. That is an album. And it's that long to get home. I'm going to be listening to that album twice today. And it sets your personality and mood for the day. Like if you need to get up and go, you're not throwing on Sade. No, you're not. I mean, if you're, if you're trying to hustle, but if you're kind of in a laid back mood, that might be the album that dictates your day and your mood. It feels like we were sort of the last generation to really have to listen to the albums. Cause I know now people will be like, well, I just like this one song, so I'm just going to put this one song in the playlist. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just going to mix that with all the other songs I like. Whereas then it was, you know, we really like one song, but you kind of had to like the album. If you don't like the whole album and only one song is good on it, I'm not taking that one with me. Did you have a go-to album that was sort of your most listened to? Ironically, uh, it's the yesterday was the 25th anniversary of my favorite Pearl Jam album, Mm. Yield. And oh, yeah. that was one that was constantly a staple for me because it ran the gamut of of just it's it starts off with something that propels you out the door, but then as you go, it tells a story throughout the day. Um, so yeah, that's probably the one that I would take with me most. But before it would be like Rick Astley when I was a kid. That was my first cassette, and I warped it. <laughs> so what was? And this may be a personal question, but that's when right. you with your with your discman. Where did you put it? Because I just remember, you know, these things. Now you got phones now that you just put in your pocket. Uh, the these things they were probably about three, four times the size of a phone that you had to take around and sort of move around quite gingerly with. If you took a turn too quick, that thing's gonna oh, yeah. that thing's gonna skip on you. You're gonna scratch that CD. Where are you holding that thing? Now, mind you, again, I'll mention that sometimes I would wear Jenko jeans, and those pockets you could land a seven forty seven. <laughs> in so if i was wearing the jenkos it would be in that front pocket (laughs) so i went to school uh in the uk with uniforms and i just remember because we're basically kids wearing suits most people they would actually rip holes in the inside of their blazers inside of their uh, jacket pocket which i just remember every mother in the entire school like <laughs> could not stand us for doing it because you those things are supposed to fit like little pocketbooks little calendars or something like that but we're just like well where else am i going to put it and you just like tear this hole so you can just fit the entire discman in now just a problem kids of today are never going to understand the the worst part about what you described is l- literally the largest part about teenage years for me that was the biggest annoyance is when you have to do this to get both headphones to work when yeah. only one ear works and you got to like do this and it's in the middle of the song and you didn't bring extra headphones and just like uh, 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 all right and you hold it here <laughs> it's just to finish the song with two ears 
I'm trying to remember. There was so many, so many songs that, again, today, now that you've got uh, these Bluetooth headphones where if one goes out, it sort of goes from being, you know, the the two tracks to it just being kind of stereo in one ear so you can still hear it all. Yeah, I just remember that feeling of the surprise of you starting your walk or whatever in the morning, putting the headphones in, right one's not working. And so yeah. you are now just stuck with just the left one and you have picked an album where they have very, very clearly split it. You're only getting drums. You are yep. only getting drums of this entire track and you're like, Damn it. But sometimes there are some like strange things. Like I never heard that. Like somebody saying something in the background or a background harmony that you never heard before. You're like, I didn't even know that that exit. Where did that come from? So, I mean, that's the good side of it. As you're only getting the drums of Rick Astley and the never going (laughs) to give, never going to give. Like you're not, you're not Uh, getting the full part. It's like, yeah, uh, you take the main lyrics. You take the main lyrics. We'll just be harmonizing in the background. I, I, I got them all. That entire album. That's I could karaoke that entire album like that. So you got to school. You're in that yeah. place. No metal detectors. You're there with your discman. You you've just got through Yield 25th anniversary. You're at, you're having a great time. Both your headphones work wonderful. But when you get there, I remember this feeling when you get to school and there are just those classes you dread and you're like, oh, I I, I just really wish I wasn't here today. What were those classes you you hated? So we can make sure they're not on your schedule anything to do with math i just i cannot like calculus uh uh any statistics like all of those types of classes was never a big fan of was never really good at it ironically the only uh math classes that i was actually good at were algebra classes because there were letters involved (laughs) i feel like i like the math with the letters and not the numbers was it simply the content of maths or was it the was the teacher as well i know it can sometimes be like well the teacher was terrible and the teacher hated me which made me hate the class or was it just the content uh i i think it was partially the teachers and partially like i I had been tested for dyscalculia and um it's basically you kind of to simplify it you basically see numbers out of order And that happens sometimes for me, like I'll read a number, it'll be like 743, but I'll see 734 the first two times I read it and I have to like focus on it. Um, But really it was, I I didn't have very good teachers really who were just like, oh, you don't, because it was a different time. Oh, you don't Mm -hmm. get it. You're dumb. Maths was always the one that bugged me because I feel like I I often knew the answer. I didn't know how to the express process. yeah how how you got there it's a far it's it's a foreign language is the way I view it is math is its own language it's it's like if you took Spanish or you took French um the more you do it the better you get at it but it's not natural to some people that's an interesting way of put it. I've never I've never thought about it like that maths is off the schedule we're going nowhere near maths were there any other hated classes that you would maybe it wasn't as much as maths but it was still just like chemistry because it had math in it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah any math class chemistry i i wasn't really like a huge fan of the workshop class like woodshop um i would have thought that would have been more up your alley honestly i would i feel like you would be more of a i don't know why i feel like you'd be more of a hands-on 
like do stuff sort of person. I loved art and I loved ceramics, like oh, okay. that sort of thing. It was just the environment of that particular, the particular woodshop class was very like bro-y because it was mm-hmm. run by the high school football coach. It was also the auto shop teacher. And it was very like, uh, if you want to be a man, you need to build a birdhouse. Right. You, need, you know, the size of your, you know, is direct <laughs> correlated with the quality of your work. It's like, and this this was just, entirely taught by a Chris Farley character. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. Because he and he looked kind of like the the living in a, what, Matt Foley. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, Matt Foley. Character? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I guess uh, different to the Matt uh, the woodshop or whatever that that class was a little bit more because of the teacher. Yeah, that was definitely because of the teacher and the environment that was built around it. Like he used to do these weird things where he would like line everybody up to look at their progress. And like, instead of giving like constructive criticism about like, Oh, well, you know, you did this, you did that. Maybe, you know, try and do this. He would be like, this is garbage. This is trash. Start over. And oh then he would go back God. and sit in his office and like watch the Rockford files. <laughs> you know no what I mean? First way. off, uh, that should have been my first indication that I wasn't going to like him because the Rockford files, that is what you watch when there's a rain delay in a baseball game and you fall asleep during the intro and that's it. <laughs> So you had a ceramics class. I did, I've, yeah. I've never even heard of that uh, back in the UK. Yeah, you just, you know, building pottery stuff and, and like kiln, like using kilns and, and uh, like making ashtrays because everybody smoked then. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like the only thing is like that or a vase, right? Like what else yeah. are you making in ceramics? Like a, a bowl that you're never going to eat out of. Like, oh, yeah, just what I want with my Frankenberry grit. Because I didn't, you know, seal it correctly. It was just fun to be creative with your hands in in that kind of class. Uh, and the teacher, she was aces. Like she was just oh, great. very, very warm to people, very inviting, very like, okay, why did you make this creative decision, or or why didn't you go in this direction? Mm-hmm. I'm not criticizing why you did. I'm just trying to understand what your process is. Mm-hmm. So she was very like important in in that regard of like, don't ask why ask how and why mm. so we've got woodshop and uh and maths are off of your schedule chemistry uh, too add, add chemistry, chemistry. Too, yeah. what are the classes you really did look forward to when you were at hack and sack uh i loved anything history any any history classes uh so you know american history or world history any sort of geography class i'm down with i liked natural sciences like Mm. biology i I enjoyed learning how things work so those were classes that i always enjoyed uh and and if i could choose pe i know it's kind of a cop-out but i always i always loved a good uh floor hockey oh i'm into it the weirdest thing i always thought about with pe it seemed like this wasn't really thought about by the schools quite as much there were so many times where I had it early in the day and you would just be this sweaty, exhausted wreck. <laughs> the rest of the day. For the rest of the day. And I know there are, oh, there are showers in the locker room. There are it, These are kids. You know these kids are just like, uh, I don't care. Um, I'm just, you know, throwing my clothes back on and then going into the next class, which absolutely stinks. And you feel, feel oh, yeah. terrible for the professor who is in charge of this. Uh, but I always found that so strange. I'm like, surely... This should only be at the end of the day. So you said history, geography, 
biology PE. PE. If I'm looking for three of those four, so what was your, I'm I'm gonna have to have you rank them so that we can get these mm. on the schedule. So if we if we have three, we're putting on the schedule. What's your first one? What are you starting the day with? You know, I'm gonna start with uh, American history. I'll start okay. there. Yeah, because it's 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 always I, I like the I, I love history to begin with, but trying to see where we started and then trying to parse through what's legit right <laughs> and what's been kind of changed over time um it has always been fascinating to me mm. uh, because i had teachers who were like look these are the books that we teach you i encourage you to look into other uh tellings of american history and other sources of american history and not even just american history from the view of Americans, but from the view of other countries as well. So I was very, very blessed to have uh, have uh, teachers who were more about seeing the whole picture, which I guess kind of helped me want to, you know, be in those history classes. Then mm. probably biology, biology, mm. you know, maybe right after lunch, you know, yeah, a little yeah, photosynthesis, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm into that. And then PE at the end of the day, to your point, because <laughs> I just – I just it, once I expend that energy, I'm not gonna want to go listen to Mrs. Zubar talk about statistics. I'm done. I'm no. falling asleep. That's it. So we start the day with American American history, and was that totally based on the content you said, or was it you said the teacher was that good too? It it was both. It was both a hundred percent. And and one, I think having such a good teacher and having such good teachers helped me enjoy the content more because they were she was making me want more content is there a teacher is there a teacher you want to shout out specifically miss cassini miss cassini. cassini yeah miss cassini that's the most uh, you just tell me hey. miss cassini and it's like he went to school in jersey yeah, yeah that was exactly where he went to school so that starts your day where mm. you got american history get that little bit of knowledge get you know feeling good you got your double period of that and then you got a double period maybe actually maybe you got a little recess in there let's say you got a little recess in there you got a little bit of a break did you have recess in your school like how was how was time spent at recess you could you could structure your schedule where you had little breaks between class um i spent mine by the guardrail playing hacky sack really? so i wonder if i still have the skills to hack it up <laughs> playing hacky sack by the guardrail for a little bit and then switching over to biology oh yeah and was that another one that was the content of it the teachers what was it it's more the content it's just I, I liked seeing how the body functions how plants function how how the world functions in general from a perspective that we can't control like the mm. natural order of things that's great. That's great. And any specific teacher or was it really nah. just based on the class? It was based on the class. The, yeah. the, the, those teachers, unfortunately, were mostly dial tones. Really? <laughs> just, just there, cash and a check. As we get to lunch, did you bring, did you buy? What was, what was the lunch like at your school? Very important question. Oh, so most of the time I would bring... Mm -hmm. But I would also pocket the the few uh, dollars that I would get because mm -hmm. as I learned when I was in elementary school selling fireworks, uh, if you keep <laughs> your lunch we've, money, we've skipped we've skipped a major part of the story. <laughs> if I was, I've talked about high school and these kids are selling fireworks in elementary school, that's something we need to know a lot more about. I I would get 
there was a guy around the corner from where I lived mm-hmm. who sold fireworks. Okay. And he would use the neighborhood kids to sell fireworks. Mm-hmm. So I would show up outside of his door. He would hand me a garbage bag filled with fireworks and a small bag of candy and say, go make me some money. Oh my so then God. I would sell the fireworks. He would give me a separate bag of fireworks and like 10 bucks. And that would be my lunch money in addition to, you know, the little bit that I would get. But I figured out if I saved my money and didn't buy lunch and just, you know, took something from the house, I could buy X-Men comics. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. so I, I, I want to say very cool, but it's very, very it's very it's, if I'm a parent in that scenario and a man's giving my child a garbage bag of fireworks and candy that's that's everything i've taught my child to avoid in their life it was a different time it was a different time (laughs) different neighborhood like the the 80s and early 90s of brooklyn it was different everybody kind of looked out for each other if you were a neighborhood kid you didn't have anything to worry about because the neighborhood had your back it was just a, a different time did you ever uh, get high on your own supply, if you will? Did you ever keep any of the fireworks for yourself? Absolutely. Because <laughs> I, I would get a separate garbage bag, uh, like a small bag of fireworks for myself. Right. And <laughs> shooting it everywhere. Where would you do that? Was this was this just hanging out with friends? Was this like in your parents' backyard? Where, where would you? No, would you no, hanging out with friends we we didn't have a most places in brooklyn where i grew up you didn't have a backyard and a backyard if you did was like a postage stamp of concrete right so we'd go to like the park or you know a a parking lot and just fire stuff up god i i feel like i should just change the podcast now and just talk about (laughs) selling fireworks that's that's (laughs) so so funny so you would Buy sometimes lunch, but more often than not, bring so you could save yeah. save firework money. So if you're if you're bringing lunch, what are you bringing? Ooh, if I'm bringing lunch, it'd probably be honestly. Then I ate much better. So like a salad, like a Caesar salad or something. Like I would really, make. you're Caesar or salad just a sandwich. Oh, oh yeah, cool. that's. I feel like you would have got bullied in my school if you showed up with a Caesar with a salad. salad. Yeah. It would just be like such a weirdly pretentious thing to show up with while everybody else is having like a ham sandwich that that high school was half like hood kids and half like richy like nepo kids really so you would see somebody with like a, a cut of filet mignon next to somebody with like chitlins you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, like it yeah. was just the the weird sort of like you would see somebody with just a a tiny bowl of soup and then you would see somebody with a giant plate that their mom like packed for them it's one of those things where you never know what you were going to get so if you're doing this your perfect way you've already got your your perfect classes thus far is the caesar salad still sort of the perfect lunch for you you feeling good with that or are you you switching that nah i'd go to a slice slice? grab a slice because it used to be like a buck just a plain slice of pizza nice just a plate could be cheese Jesus you know, yeah. yeah, you know, you know, don't, don't ruin the classics. It's yeah. fine. Oh, nice. The only topping it needs is uh, is the roof of my mouth. <laughs> you get a drink to go with it. If I do, I, I'm I was and still am a big water person. So oh, okay. I know it's silly to buy bottled water, but you know, uh, yeah, always, always water. And if I went the soda route, it would be like a ginger ale or maybe a Coke. 
see, but this is where we're getting into tricky territory now. So you, you've had okay. you've had lunch, mm-hmm. and you've weighed yourself down with oh, yeah. a nice cheesy, greasy slice, and well, a you know, water just to make it a little bit more. You know, you feel <laughs> a little bit balanced out. It's, out. it's, it's healthy <laughs> if you're having water with it. So, but now you're coming back in the afternoon, and you got PE. Uh, how how are you feeling about that? Is like, you, can you just feel like your stomach just dreading this moment, or were you that sort of kid that you could just power through anything, didn't matter what you ate? More of the latter than the yeah. former, because um, I, I always feel better if I am physical after I eat and mm. not necessarily before. So yeah, I'm scarfing that cheese pizza, and then I'm going full force into PE, and I I'm I've always been the kind of kid and and even an an adult when i play sports i am 100 percent going a hundred miles an hour the whole time (laughs) i will smash into a wall i'll smash into another person it 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 doesn't matter so yeah we had two sides of the coin to that at my school where we had uh cross country Mm. at our school it would be kind of running around the the grounds it was about 2.3 2.3 miles or something i think a teacher told us it was once but it was it was extremely hard because it was our school had, was crazy uphill and you were running through trees and over roots and went, like you, like you had to do cross country in like rugby cleats <laughs> the first part you run about <laughs> man uh, 150 200 yards uh to start it going downhill and i remember you had to take this corner and then to get back onto the field, there was this hill that I sw- it must have been a, a good like 60 degree hill. And if you ever tried to skip that part, if you oh. ever tried to skip the hill, I remember there being teachers who would hide behind trees <laughs> to catch you, to make you go back. But I remember those kids who just were putting in record times and i remember the other kids who would know those spots of cross country where if you hid behind a tree and then just sort of showed up at the finish line about like the right time that you would show up at the finish line and hope those teachers hadn't noticed they haven't seen you for two laps there were those people who were just like oh oh i'm exhausted and they really haven't done anything great so pe in the afternoon but like what are you doing uh, i would always go hockey because i played hockey in high school it's my favorite sport it's the one that i feel like i have the the had the most natural aptitude for mm. and it's just it's just a lot of fun and just it's just very like competitive field indoor what, what kind of hockey uh so it'd be like like because the funding for school wasn't great so it'd mm. be like the plastic sticks with the like hollow orange puck oh yeah and, yeah like barely any pads <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. So you got a little bit of a little bit of hockey to to finish off your day. Oh yeah. Now we got laid out. So this is sort of what we got laid out for the classes right now. So you've shown up, listening to your pole jam, no no metal detectors or anything. You've walked in. First thing you've gone to is American history with Miss Cassini. Got a little recess, playing some hacky sack, biology. No specific teacher, just learning how the body works. We enjoy a bit of that. Have some lunch. Go have a slice, have a water, go play some hockey. That's how your day looks at the minute. And before we get to the very, very end of it, you've got a day that none of those things sort of lead towards where you've ended up in your career. 
did any of those classes sort of almost lead you a certain way? I felt like that they were informing. I mean, I always wanted to be in radio. I always wanted to be in television. That was like always the goal. Um, From like when you were little? When I was a kid, I used to have like a little boom box with a microphone on the top. And I would like record breaks between music and like dub tapes. Oh, um, that's great. Or I would call wrestling matches on my grandmother's knee because that's how I got into uh, wrestling. Um, I think the like history informed my want to talk to people about things so it definitely fed into the radio thing and, and like wanting to have conversations with people about topics that might not necessarily be comfortable mm. for people i mean I, I realized those things influenced it now but at the time like you don't know you're just kind of bombarded at the time with all this information like yeah. where your brain is still developing in a way where it's still kind of not able to absorb all of the impetus or all of the information that you're getting between that and like your home life and all that stuff happening at once. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that it did inform, but as far as like, did I want to be a librarian because of history? Like, right. No, no, that never, that never crossed your mind. No. So the way you have to finish this day now is you've gone to school, you're on campus at Hackensack here in amongst all the kids, having your Billy Madison moment, the big guy at the table uh, with all the other kids around you. And what you have to do at the very, very end, you've just, you've had lunch, you've had a little bit of PE, and there's one, there's one period left at the end of the day where you have to go into the main hall, the main event space, whatever you call it, the great hall of your, of your school, and you have to give like an assembly little speech to the kids of today. With what you know now, what you might do differently or what they should be doing to get closer to their goals if they want to be like you or if they just want to generally succeed in life. So what advice are you giving to the kids of today at school? I would say that it's, it's not that serious. Don't grip the wheel too tight when it comes to that. There's a lot of expectations and it's the first time that you're really experiencing expectations being thrusted upon you, whether it be from the school, whether it be, you know, from your parents, that what you're doing in those four years determines the outcome of your life. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. It very, in most cases, most people don't figure it out until much later. And you're not on anybody's timeline, but your own. Mm -hmm. Take your time to figure out who you are during those periods of time. Um, develop the relationships that will keep you grounded as you go through. I have friends that I've known since the third grade. I was blessed, but some people meet those people that will be with them for the rest of their lives and a support system in high school. Mm. Um, that's what you should be focused on, figuring out who you are, who you want to be, but it's not the end of the world. It's okay if you don't have it all figured out because look, I'm about to turn 40 this year. I don't have everything figured out. You know, I was a 37 year old intern. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I was blessed enough to get an opportunity from you because of that. At any point in time, your life can change. Those four years are literally just a four year span of your life your life can change the next year. It could be completely different. So don't grip the wheel too tight. Do what you need to do to, to get through uh, 
as healthy and as, as, as stable as you can, because that is a time of such upheaval um, that, it, that it's very difficult to recover from if you don't see it as just a stopping point and you see it as this opportunity that, that I missed. Opportunities are not missed. It's just that opportunity and that period of time passed. It's on to the next one. Life keeps moving until it doesn't. That's great. That's that's really inspiring. I think something a lot of people would have loved to hear no, when I they have. were back in school. <laughs> when they were back in school, but that's important. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. That's you know, let's let's share that with the rest of the world. I want I want people to feel a little bit better if they're having those those dark times. I think I think every right. every person had their dark times in school at some point. That's really great advice. I appreciate you taking the time with us, mate. So just one last time to go through uh, it with you, how the day looks and what you did. You went back to Hackensack High School for one day. You walked in there, everything fine, everything looking wonderful. Everyone's happy. No one, no one's got any weapons. We're not, we're not going to have any of those. You walk in, it's great. You go sit in your American history class with Miss Cassini, enrich your mind, go play some uh, hacky sack, by the bleachers at recess just have just have a good old time with that go sit in biology learn a little bit about the body have your lunch have your slice and a water be a little bit weighed down but not too weighed down that's going to stop you from having a great game of hockey and ripping everyone to shreds and then after that your wonderful words and with that my friend you've completed your last first day yeah you've officially graduated from Hackensack High School and the last first day institution here. It has been a pleasure to have you along. Thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything you want to plug? Is there anything uh, you would hope people would tune into, listen to, uh, or see? Uh, yeah. Uh, Catalyst Wrestling's fifth anniversary, uh, sorry, sixth anniversary is happening on March 5th at the Bell House, uh, 149 7th Street in Gowanus, Brooklyn. Go get tickets uh, or just watch us, streamcatalystwrestling.com. We put in a lot of work. Uh, we're a kind of a grassroots sort of thing that started six years ago. I was blessed enough to be brought on. And uh, a lot of the people who work there put a lot of time and energy into it. Um, and, you know, the only other thing that I would plug is be yourself. That's great. That's great. Stephen Donato, thank you again, my friend. I so appreciate it. And a huge congratulations on finishing your last first day. Thanks. I, I, you know, this was great. I never thought I'd want to go back to high school. <laughs> and so ends the very first last first day at Last First Day Academy. Thank you so much to Stephen Donato for joining us for his last first day for the first last time. Join us again next time because we have a fantastic guest from the entertainment industry who is currently tying up their shoelaces ready to walk those hallways one last time and share their last first day with you thank you to everyone who helped get this podcast on its feet to begin with and if you can subscribe share talk about it with your friends that would mean the absolute world but until next time class dismissed <laughs>